0: Today, we're live from Mexico City, ironically, but we're going international, making it fun, like always. And we're very happy and excited to have our guest. His name is Jeremy Altman. He's the Vice President of Strategic Partnership at the PaySafe Group. Uh, Jeremy has 15 years of experience in payments in IT and entertainment companies. Uh, prior to PaySafe, Jeremy served as the Chief Transformation Officer at Odni Trust and also as the VP of Sales at SlimPay. Uh, Jeremy holds an MSc in Management from Emelon Business School. How are you doing, Jeremy? Thank you so much for being with us. Well, good here. Thanks, Carlos. Thanks for hosting us and, uh, and pay safe. I'm very happy to be here today. Uh, it's our pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing some of your time with us. Uh, so let's get the conversation started. And of course, you know, the hot topic, new normal, but I want to really focus it on e-commerce, right? Where do you see the long-term of e-commerce? Uh, due to the pandemic, consumers have been driven, obviously, to have to go through e-commerce like never before. A lot of people were... Afraid, especially, I think, older generations, right? They were very constrained about going, but everybody kind of shifted now into that. And as brick and border and locations are starting to reopen, right, what do you see everything happening? Do you think people are going to continue engaging e-commerce or are they going to start shifting back into the brick and border? Okay. Good question. Uh, thanks, Carlos. So
1: I guess consumers will, will always uh, continue to shop online and it's uh, accelerating right now with, uh, with this pandemic, but no one is really picturing uh, consumers deserting the streets or uh, this will just pick up again, right? There, there will be some changes along the way, but that's just the way it is. So Clearly, COVID-19 and this pandemic, it has uh, had dramatic impact on on consumers' behavior, right? Uh, You have the physical restrictions like social distancing, uh, the changing attitudes as well. And it is changing how, when, and where people are spending money. But even if these changes are huge, uh, the impacts we are seeing are not new at all. What we are seeing is an acceleration. Uh, of trends that were there before. E-commerce was not created uh, in 2020. The yeah? uh, mm-hmm. most visible one uh, among these trends. So, COVID-19 has forced most people to shop online in the short term and the share of e-commerce is simply increasing. But let's remember that still today, most transactions are happening uh, in person and uh, still a majority, right, of, uh, of what, uh, what we see. So e-commerce is booming. There is no way it's going back uh, to uh, less e-commerce, but brick and mortar transactions are here to stay in the long run. And essentially this is what makes us a human society.
0: No, absolutely. I agree with you. And talking about that, I know Paysafe conducted a really nice survey right across the globe. And you guys really studied where the trends were going and how people were engaging. Uh, and there were primarily four impacts that you guys saw on e-commerce, right? Can you talk a little bit about that to us? Yeah, absolutely. So at Paysafe, we we often
1: survey consumers to just, you know, take a pulse of what's going on on the market and, uh, What's a priority in this country? So we call that piece of research last uh, in transaction. Uh, and we essentially identify the four trends for the latest survey that we conducted a uh, um, couple of months ago. So I can touch on them quickly. Uh, the first one is the shift to uh, online, which we just discussed, uh, and the diversification of the checkout. The second one is around uh, the merger of the physical and digital works. Um, the third is the growth of contactless NFC payments and also more frictionless uh, payments. And the last one is around transact, uh, subscription payments. So so I can touch briefly on all of them. Um, yeah. if to, to online, Carlos, what we observed that after one month of lockdown, uh, a couple of months ago now, 18% of consumers were shopping online for the first time. Uh, wow. and is not just short term, so 18%. Then we had 38% of consumers saying that they would be shopping online more often in the future after the pandemic. And when we ask them why, 65% are saying convenience. It's more convenient to shop online. It's not a surprise, right? Mm -hmm. What surprised me is that 20% or 18% of consumers were shopping for the first time online. So that's a big boost. And the way people are paying is also changing. Um, 56%, I have that in my uh, research as well, 56% are saying they are uh, making an online payment using a payment method that they they were not uh, familiar with before. So that's a a pretty big change as well. Uh, The way you handle the money, the way you pay, it's not just the Visa or the MasterCard, now people are seeking other options. Um, so, For example, we have almost a third of consumers that were using a digital wallet uh, to transfer money to a friend or family. We had uh, 43% saying that uh, they have been reducing the, the handling of cash uh, because of health concerns. So shift to online and also a diversification of uh, payment methods. So that's trend number one. Um, let's touch maybe on the three authors. So. Merging the physical and digital worlds. Um, So we are seeing examples of uh, these physical and digital uh, mergers through the checkouts. You see the app ordering in pubs and restaurants. Uh, And this will just accelerate with the advent of uh, virtual reality and augmented reality. Um, Can give you my experience, Carlos? Uh, This summer, I was in Toronto with my... uh, my family, we were uh, in a restaurant, and I sort mm. of received a menu, order from it, and uh, pay after my experience. So a real in-store uh, experience. This was not my experience. I entered the restaurant. There was a QR code on the table. I had to uh, flash it, take a picture of the code. Then mm. I, uh, on my phone, on landing page, to just order from my phone. I had to check out from my phone at the tip. Before seeing the uh, waiter, essentially, and then we had all the the meals and starters and main course uh, coming to the table. That was it. That was my experience of uh, only channel, and this is going to uh, stay for the long run in many uh, um, experiences, use cases, and uh, you you have to just realize that for a business uh, that only rely on only relies on physical presence, COVID nineteen has been. Uh, uh, very, very serious. And it, the impact runs deeper than just having a consumer migrate from uh, offline or in-person to online. It's yeah. really designing the entire uh, customer experience. So omni channel, uh, start online, close uh, your transaction offline, start in a store, finish it on the phone. Uh, this is all happening these days. Uh, and you see experiences where... Consumers are getting used to that. It used to be only uh, some people, right? A fraction of the population, uh, like the the busy uh, worker in New York ordering everything, uh, or uh, the mom uh, having everything delivered at home, or the husband, whatever. But now it's like anyone can, uh, can just do it because it's everywhere.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, it's becoming a standard practice. But, but I think to your point, uh, something that you brought up that's very interesting... Uh, a lot of people saw this as fear, right? And of course, stress and everything as they were adapting to it. But as we're adapting completely as a society, and from a business standpoint, it's becoming very cost effective, right? I mean, just the experience you talked to me about the restaurant, no more menus, no more, you know, uh, turnover in materials and all that stuff. So if you look at it in the long run, it's actually going to put us in the place where the expectation is going to be one that the consumer is actually going to be okay with less expenses for the business in order to get serviced.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, second trend, we just touched on it. Third trend, uh, the growth of uh, contactless and what we call frictionless payments. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not a new technology at all, right? Uh, it just gained tons of popularity everywhere in the world. And it, it almost became a barrier gesture uh, during the pandemic. I'm tapping with my card, and that's good. So what's new about contactless is just the mass adoption uh, stage that we are right now. During the pandemic, uh, people have really changed the way they spend in store. But uh, well, I'm happy that businesses have positively responded to that. But it took really 15 years, uh, and that global uh mm-hmm from the first successful pilot in Europe, uh, it was in France and in UK and, uh, and just being expanding all over the world. So it took some time, but now contactless is, uh, is mainstream and uh, we almost uh, see that everywhere. Even a country like Germany, uh, where credit card and debit cards are not popular uh, and cash was still very uh, used and king, uh, as we say. Uh, contactless has been growing steadily and and cash obviously has dropped. So uh, it's a big change in the way people are consuming. In Canada, uh, the limit to pay or tap with a, with a card was increased to $250. That's uh, that's right for most of the transactions are below 200 So having that 50, um, $250 limit in Canada has really boosted uh, some uh some businesses Um, and back to the research maybe a a number or or two Uh, we have 56 percent of consumers saying that they are more comfortable using contactless cards than a year ago Uh, 53 saying that uh, they are more comfortable with the concept of uh, a contactless society and uh, and the third number is a 65 percent of consumer now believing that contactless payments are more convenient than cash so that's a big shift in uh, you know the consumer's mind, and uh, this acceleration is never going to reverse. Once you've experienced the luxury of tapping your car, you don't want to go back to cheap and mean, I guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The the luxury and the reliability, right? Because I think that's what took so long that people were so concerned about how reliable this was going to be, and now it's, it's 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 like magic to a lot of people, you know. So so the increases that you're talking about are phenomenal. Yeah, and when you
1: take that contactless mindset to the next level, uh, this is where we discuss invisible payments, frictionless uh, experiences. So um, think about the Amazon Go experience. If you want me to uh, uh, simplify that, you go to an Amazon Go store, uh, Mm -hmm. there is no physical checkout. And this might be the long-term future for retail. And this pandemic has also a few players and early adopters to, to pilot, try uh, new new things. Uh, think about the transport providers, entertainment venues. They are just turning to technology to remain competitive and get the footfall uh, into their uh, areas. Uh, so that's, that's interesting. And the last point on that uh, frictionless is uh, uh, the concept of running a tab, right? You could have your credentials your card payment credentials stored uh, in your favorite places and you can just run a tab I always go to the same bakery I always go to the same shop let's have my card details there uh, stored not exactly there I mean with their payment provider with compliant, with PCI DSS and so on but
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then
1: just walk in the store exit and that's uh, super comfortable
0: yeah no absolutely absolutely. And talking about all those things uh, and so many changes coming around the corner as we you know obviously now we 've adapted I think as a society, and now it's how do we push the envelope right to make it better and better and better uh, Where do you see the transformation of the checkout experience from an e commerce perspective like what what do you think is going to be the big next change from a from a checkout experience?
1: Okay, so I can touch on that. Maybe closing with the fourth trend uh, is going to answer partially that, uh, that question as well, because okay. uh, at the checkout, uh, usually you pay once. Uh, but a big trend that has been accelerating in light of this pandemic is what we call subscription payments. And that's one of my, uh, my favorite theme. Uh, so, there, there is always a recurring payment be behind a subscription. And this segment has just increased a lot in light of, uh, of COVID 19. So, Netflix, Disney Plus, they've seen new subscribers like, like never. Uh, and many sub segments within uh, subscriptions are used by everyone. Think utilities, think your telecoms, uh, personal finance, healthcare, e uh, you know boxes of cosmetics and and, and of food uh, and digital content so this this is a big trend, and what we call subscription economy uh, is also another area of growth uh, when uh, consumers or as consumers are really turning to a digital checkout uh, so i, I want uh, I want maybe uh, you uh, carlos and the audience to to be uh, really uh, realizing how much of subscriptions we are all using. Uh, the survey we, we had, it shows that uh, 53% of consumers uh, already uh, agree that subscriptions are more convenient uh, to pay for goods and uh, they already already uh, use these goods usually. And 44% say that subscription services are better value for money. So that's also a shift in the mindset like, oh, if I have a plan, if I have a subscription for a category, must be Mm -hmm. for my wallet. So that's interesting. I don't know how many you have, Carlos, but 50% of international customers today uh, say that they have at least two subscription payments leaving their bank account every month. And this is just going to increase uh, during uh, 2021.
0: Wow. No, I completely agree with you. Yeah. I have, I think all my utilities already have, you know, in subscription mode, I have a couple of other services, but yeah, you have, it's, it's so convenient and it's always the same thing. Right. And I think to your point, that's what people love in the sense of I'm getting more for my money because you're so used to whenever you used to get a bill and it wasn't like automated, then it would always shift. It would always vary. Right. And sometimes it was more or less And this way. It's like a standard amount that you already know and you're comfortable. And it allows you, I think, to run your personal finances a lot easier. Uh,
1: I agree. So so back to your theme of transformation of the checkout, uh, mm-hmm. just uh, close on, on one uh, uh, more philosophical approach, right? Uh, when you think about the, the consumer engagement uh, pyramid of payments, how do consumers engage with a the merchant? There are really four fundamental needs that Every payment and every payment method has to uh, satisfy. It's about trust and security. I, I will only shop there, and this way is if I know that I'm safe.
0: Mm-hmm, I'm
1: mm-hmm. It has to work, you know, anytime, at night, uh, in the air, underground. Uh, it has to be easy, uh, easy, to, easy to use uh, for me, for my grandparents, uh, and it has to be fast because I don't want to create a line after me and I'm busy. So if you're satisfying that trust, reliability, ease of use, speed, and maybe a fifth one, uh, which will be cool, uh, like
0: <laughs>
1: metal card and uh, something fancy because you get some more loyalty, whatever, uh, yeah. you're just scoring more with, uh, with consumers. And this is how the checkout, is, uh, checkout experience is transforming as well these days.
0: Wow. No, I love it. That's so interesting. And, uh, I, I, you, you talked about digital wallet, right? You touched on that briefly. Um, I would like to maybe go a little bit deeper into that to get our listeners better educated in relationship to what is the difference between a digital wallet and the typical usage of, you know, your wallet and your credit cards in there, you know?
1: Okay. Uh, so yeah. A digital wallet, e-wallet, uh, different ways to, to call that. Uh, it's a nice, it's a nice product because for a consumer uh, you open an account basically, uh, and you will load money to that account. Uh, by loading money to that account, you have access to uh, to to many merchants and services. Either it's only electronic money, e-money, or it's e. And associated to that, you have a prepaid card. So, for example, at Paysafe, we own and operate two big brands uh, in that uh, digital wallet's world called uh, Skrill and um, NetTeller. So when you open an account with these two, uh, you have access to tons of merchants. But you shop shop in a different way because uh, you have the, the security as a consumer. If there is any problem with the merchant, you can go to the consumer Uh, service uh, department and say, oh, I had an issue with that merchant for whatever reason, and you have the security that your interests are protected. That's one. Uh, Also, when you shop online, you don't want to have always your card details disclosed to uh, a merchant. Sometimes you don't feel safe, maybe you don't know the brand, maybe it's a new merchant, whatever the case is. If you click on, I'd like to check out with my wallet, could be Skrill, could be Neteller, and you have a few others in the industry, Uh, Paytm in India, WeChat, uh, PayPal, of course. And Mm -hmm. when you check out with a wallet, what you experience is that you're not disclosing any personal information. So that's another reason for uh, the adoption of uh, the wallets. So I would say security, you feel safe using that. It's convenient because you don't have to re-enter uh, your credentials. It's already stored because you just have a, a login or password to to add. And if you using your phone, it's embedded in it. Uh, and the convenience also of having a card uh, associated to your account, so you can tap uh, in the real world uh, with a Visa or MasterCard, a co-branded prepaid card. We have that for Skrill and NetTeller. And it's uh, just very nice. So it's very similar to an online account. Uh, it's not a bank account, really. It's a mm-hmm. prep- where you can store money and it's safe there and you can reuse it. So uh, it's good if you're underbanked. It's good if you're uh, not qualified to have a bank account. It's interesting if you're, um, uh, well, I guess a millennial or too young to have a, uh, a credit card yet. So, or if you're traveling, it's very convenient too.
0: Yeah, no, no, I was about to ask you, when you use it for traveling and things like that, do you get additional fees for the travel, you know, the conversion of the coin and all that, or is it, oh, it standard? Depends. Uh,
1: it depends on uh, which card or which uh, which account you, you go with, but uh, some of them would say, yes, you have FX fees, that will apply, uh, some of them are waiving them uh, during the pandemic. we had a, a nice initiative, uh, especially targeted at uh, Italy, which was really hit uh, at the beginning of the, the pandemic, and we waived all the fees uh, to transfer from to Italy uh, transfer money from to Italy. So uh, I guess it depends. some players will apply some in the longer term. Um, it should be as simple as a local payment. Uh, doing an international transfer or international transaction and when you think about it all these uh, crypto currencies projects that uh, you see popping up everywhere it's all uh, based on that fundamental uh, Idea of I can move money anywhere in the world. It's one currency. It's not really uh, trading uh, it should be flat everywhere um, and uh, Maybe this is where the, the future is.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely and and Talking about all that, you mentioned obviously security, right? You mentioned that many, many times. uh, Obviously, when we're talking about people's money, everybody wants to feel safe anytime they're making that transaction. And so many retailers are popping up from a digital standpoint, right? From all over the globe that you never know, hey, is this going to be a good retailer? Are they going to give me my money back if I don't like the merchandise? So forth and so on. So in your point of view, what are the shifts to e-commerce? Uh, that will be related to security and fraud challenges, especially as we go into the subscription modes, as we go into all these areas where we're gonna put our information out there more and more into the into the internet, right? Uh, what do you think are gonna be those challenges?
1: Um, so the good news is e-commerce is not new. It's not a new concept. We've been doing uh, e com transactions for 20 plus years now. Uh, so we've seen many patterns, many fraud patterns. Of course, if you're the bad guy, the fraudster, you always have, uh, you're always- a step- You're always innovative, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, But it does push the industry, the good guys, you know, to come up with nice uh, uh, and protective solutions. So what's new with e-commerce is the pace of acceleration. That's very important. If you listen to uh, Microsoft's uh, CEO, he, he said a couple of months ago, we saw a digital acceleration worth of two years in two months. Uh, this is what he, wow. he guessed in May or, or around that time. Uh, when I'm speaking with uh, some large retailers here in North America, uh, they are telling me I'm getting uh, ready for new projects that I only had in my roadmap for 2025. Uh, so concepts, ideas that as a retailer you only had, you know, for the, the next three years in your roadmap. They are just making that uh, happen today. So what's changing with uh, risk and fraud is that uh, as you have more transactions, uh, more e-commerce volumes, you have more fraud and more risk, right? Especially that are new to to e-commerce. The good news is that we have amazing tools. Uh, Most of the risk and fraud uh, engines today have uh, machine learning and AI embedded to better detect and prevent risk. Uh, and it's all also related to uh, what you call behavioral uh, analysis. I, I can give you an example. If I shop online today uh, on Best Buy, and I want to buy for, for one of my kids uh, an iPad for, uh, for them. If I go, uh, and I'm a bad guy, OK, now I'm a bad guy, I go straight on Best Buy, uh, and I, I check out Is the most expensive iPad. I'm not looking at the color. I'm not looking at how many uh, gigabytes uh, it's embedded. I'm not looking at the specs. I'm not comparing with another device straight to processing a transaction. That's a a big uh, alert for any uh, fraud solution. Usually, the good guy, back to my example, I would go and, and shop and compare. Why do you need this one? Do you need the latest uh, iPad Air? Or do you need the Pro? Why? Ta, ta, ta. So people spend time uh, shopping online and browsing uh, between all the, the, the models, uh, the, the devices. You, if you go straight, that's a big risk. You're flagged. Uh, if I go and then check out and I copy and paste my, uh, my address or my name, uh, that's that's rare field um is okay but if i just copy and paste boom 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 that's that's a risk uh, pattern as well if i uh, last name myself and i make five times in a row a mistake i'm exaggerating here but it's not normal like uh, it seems that it's not you behind the laptop so all of these um, examples of behavioral uh, um, checks uh, are really uh, becoming mainstream today, and and payment providers have that uh, embedded as part of their, um, you know, on the go, uh, on the go monitoring.
0: Nice, nice, and I think you brought up a great point. AI, right? The utilization of AI, and I think over time, I'm assuming as AI continues to evolve and evolve and evolve, it's going to be able to recognize the shopping patterns for you specifically, right? So it will recognize regardless of the retailer you go to, all of the sudden if your shopping patterns change very drastically, so it will be a lot easier to detect those frauds. Exactly, and, those. Uh, and, and through AI and just
1: uh, a normal monitoring of transactions, it's like, it's not happening. If I go on Amazon and every day I buy, I buy a book, and tomorrow, my account gets hacked, and the one who is entering my Amazon account buys uh, a laptop. That's not my pattern. So maybe they will have a, a check. And, and very simple uh, processes have uh, prevented so many uh, fraud attempts. Like uh, if there is a new address entered in my account, I can get a text, you can get notified. So people are getting more and more used to uh, how to protect their. Uh, sensitive information, I guess. Huh? And don't forget that shopping online is still much more secure than uh, shopping via telephone or even sending your information via email. I'm always oh, yes. sure, uh, when you book a hotel and they send you a, a nice email, please, uh, can you <laughs> your card information and I'm going to secure the first night for you. Uh, I'm not going to give my uh, personal sensitive payments data via email. You could call me and I'd like it, or you can direct me to uh, an automated uh, uh, system online uh, via the phone or via my computer. I would, be, uh, uh, I would feel more comfortable.
0: So Jeremy, that's that's really interesting. Everything you're talking about with digital wallet, you know, PayPal, uh, Google Wallet, so many different providers out there in the market. But I know there's something that that's out there that not a lot of people know about, right? And it's called eCash. And I wanted you to expand on eCash, so you can tell us a little bit more about what that is and the benefits of it.
1: Sure, thanks, uh, Carlos. So did, there is a way nowadays to pay online with cash. It sounds like counterintuitive to pay online with physical cash, but uh, we we have a way at PaySafe and, uh, and there are some local alternatives in, in a couple of countries. So basically the, the problem around cash online is that uh, when you think about it, like you have so many uh, underbanked or underserved customers that don't have access to a bank account because they don't have the capacity, they are too young, they are... Um, whatever the reasons are if you're a teenager or if you're a security seeker uh, you should have a way to buy online the way you'd like. Uh, so we have a solution called paysafe card and paysave cash. Here is uh, how it works. so you buy online and check out in cash. Uh, so let' let's say I'm going to uh, um, pay my uh, auto loan on uh, uh, online with cash. I will go on to my uh, auto loan account, for example, and I have to buy uh, or to pay for 400 this month. Um, And at the point of checkout, rather than using a credit card because I don't have one or I'm already maxed out, whatever the reasons are, I will click on pay with cash. And the website is displaying uh, a barcode and I will simply go with my barcode to the nearest uh, convenience store, post office, uh, supermarket, gas station, anything that is around you, and simply pay in cash, that's it. Once uh, the, the QR code or the barcode, depending on the country, is scanned uh, at the cashier, the transaction is cleared. Um, and I'm hearing from time to time, uh, the future is around cashless society. Everything is managed through an electronic payment method. And I tend to say it's, it looks amazing, but... <laughs> <laughs> there is always uh, going to be a future for cash. It's very, very hard for a country or even a city to run out of, uh, of cash, uh, if I may say so. And you want to be inclusive to, to everyone. If I'm a consumer and I want to pay uh, with cash because my grandmother just gave me 100 for my birthday, I'm a waiter and I have some tips, uh, I just have cash, right? And uh, and and some of it is legit, so that's good. So let's let's make uh, people um, pay with whatever they want, and uh, that's how you are more inclusive and engaging with a broader audience. If you think about it, uh, uh, Philadelphia and New York and or New Jersey even uh, all had uh, laws and uh, and new conditions to fight cashless stores and to make sure that you can pay with anything you have in your wallet.
0: No, absolutely. I think inclusion should be a primary focus for any retailer, right? You want to make sure you get every potential customer out there in the market.
1: Exactly. You don't want to be frustrating. Imagine I go to a store and uh, I see a sign, sorry, no cash. I would feel humiliated because that's the way I wanted to pay. You don't want that with your customers. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And same goes online, obviously.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's going to be an amazing tool. And and I like the fact, you know, you mentioned younger people, right? It's, it's also an opportunity for, learn to, for them to learn how to finance themselves, right? And hey, they get that money on the weekends because they did the chores or they're in the university or whatever the case might be, then it allows them to better prepare into the future, you know? So it's also it's, a, almost like an educational tool in a way. It's not only an education tool for the younger
1: generation, it's also very interesting protective measures for the parents. If you have a teenager at home spending uh, uh, on uh, online games, you don't want to give them your MasterCard or your... <laughs> <laughs> you want to equip them with, a, you know, a reloadable prepaid card or something, and cash is uh, is accessible to, to all these uh, online games. Uh, that way, I make sure that... Uh, my kids are spending 10 or 15 or 20 dollars, euros, pounds, wherever you are. And that's it. You don't have better prizes at the end of the month.
0: Thank you so much for your input, Jeremy. It's been amazing. And I think our listeners have learned so much about what Paysafe does. And of course, the input and the expertise that you have. And I would like to to leave this conversation with one piece of advice that you would have for all of our listeners. As you know, most of our listeners are retailers uh, in various different roles and positions uh, all over the industry, uh, but what would be the one piece of advice that you would say for them to focus on in the next year?
1: Okay. Uh, well, it's always difficult, right, to, to give any, uh, any piece of advice, uh, but... For us at PaySafe, for me personally, I'm always uh, looking at things in the, the shoes of a, a consumer. Uh, so, so ultimately, customers are, are the one driving innovation and adoption of any technology, any payment method or any experiences. It only comes when there is something for them, for the consumers. So am I going to save money? Am I going to save time? Am I going to save energy? Uh, or am I being safer in this uh, pandemic world? Uh, it has to address one of these uh, specific needs. Um, maybe I will get less friction in my interaction with the, the retailer and that 's a good way for me to you know go this uh, route. Uh, it has to, be to to speak to these needs otherwise uh, there is no adoption it won 't fly so payments are changing if I go back to, to my uh, uh, payments uh, hat uh, mm-hmm. Payments are really changing uh, to keep consumers safe. We discussed on fraud. We discussed on uh, contactless, frictionless payments. That's great. But it's not only now from a a financial security point of view that payments are changing. It's also from a a personal health standpoint. So that's uh, also uh, interesting how payments companies can help retailers to maintain their operations and streamline a couple of processes towards you know, less friction and, and time-saving, I guess, for the consumers.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Jeremy, for your time. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Retail Corner podcast. We will see you guys on our next episode, and you guys have a beautiful day. If you wish to have a conversation with us, then email us at retailcorner at proxima360.com. Or visit our website at the retail 360com Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay safe and see you next time.